Today on Training Group Live, Ben Steger and I talked to a very special guest, Matt Pranka of X-Ray Alpha, about the real-world applications for practical shooting. After the paywall, Matt explains the carryover from pistol to carbine shooting, and Matt shares the format he uses for his personal training. This is not an episode you will want to miss. Welcome to Training Group Live, your home for all things practical shooting. So make ready, it's time to train. Welcome back to Training Group Live. I am your host, Joel Park. With me, I have Ben Steger. Hello. And we have a very special guest, Matt Pranka of X-Ray Alpha. Uh, Matt, I'm not going to make you like introduce yourself. Uh, Matt's had an extensive military career, and he knows what's up with shooting uh, long guns and handguns. Is that a fair way to introduce, Ben? Did I miss anything? Well, I... You know, I think one of Matt's greatest qualities, which he he will never say this himself, but if you can, if you if there's like a name trainer out there, or some sort of training material, Matt has taken the class. Matt has consumed the training material. Um, Matt Matt's a, sh- a shooting nerd. I think it's fair to say. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> so that's I I mean yeah you're the you're probably the best traveled student I've ever heard of i mean just as far as the the multitude of guys that you've had an opportunity to train with is crazy yeah yeah i think i've i've just been fortunate you know a lot of that comes from the military um you know i have just had the opportunity and access to some of the kind of the best practical shooters and rifle shooters and pistol shooters um you know to be to get better at my my job when i was in the military well, that's excellent. Um, there are for people on what's Ben. I'm sorry. I was going to say not to mention bottomless buckets of ammunition. That's that part, a big help. That part. I'm a little bit excellent. jealous about that still. Like only a little bit though. I'm, I'm jealous about it now. <laughs> I would. I would like the bottomless buckets of ammo just without the commitment for the rest of the stuff. That would. That part would be cool. I don't, I don't know. I don't, right I don't think right they probably here. do that. <laughs> um. There's also, for people on training group, there are class dumps uh, of a course uh, training event Matt did that Ben attended. So if you're on training group, that's well worth watching. Uh, there's a possibility I may have watched all those twice because there was a lot of information to absorb. And uh, I was afterwards, I was kind of thinking, man, what, what about that part? And I had to go back and watch it again. So anyway, uh, Matt, we brought you on. I want, I want you to talk about why practical shooting is so relevant and like to the real world, the CCW, LE, military guy, whatever. Uh, I was already convinced, but Matt and I had a conversation that made it so clear to me. Um, so I would just like you to kind of share your thoughts, if you would. Like, I mean, I, I so if you think about the elements of practical shooting and, and, and how you train, you know, to become good, you know, you trying to make M class or GM in practical shooting, um, a lot of those elements and and how they're balanced just based off the scoring system is is a perfect balance for a gunfight you know in that tactical world i think over the years um you know if people haven't already seen that kind of practical shooting is the way to go for for training the hard skill of shooting and um and doing that on the range they're they're just getting left behind right you know practical shooting in that world you know speed and accuracy are not competing efforts you can have both of them you can have 
huge amounts of both of them, you know, um, with a high level of consistency. And I just don't see those as that, you know, kind of that speed is fine, accuracy is final thing. People that, that still are living that mantra haven't been in close in gunfights that you see in law enforcement, that you see, you know, kind of at the higher levels of, you know, special operations military. Those engagements are, you know, the fastest engagements are happening at the closest distances. And that's where, you know, speed starts to really become very, very important as well as accuracy. And you have to find, find and understand that you can have both of those at very high levels with a high level of consistency. Yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, another thing we're, we're talking oh, hey, before. Hey, hey, hold on. Before Matt, is it fair to say that the as far as the argument, I remember 10, 12 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, this was a big argument. And I don't really see you guys arguing about it anymore. I don't know if there's an argument there, but I will tell you that there there are still there is still a school of thought that once you get under this tactical umbrella that you have too many things going on to have both speed and accuracy. And I hear that a lot that there's, well, these guys just has way more to worry about, way more to worry about. And I'm, and I'm telling you, once an engagement starts, you have one thing to worry about and that's finishing that engagement. You know, once it, once you get past all of the processing and, and the tactics piece of it and the engagement starts, there's one thing you have to worry about, and that's finishing that engagement, you know, and eliminating that threat. And now that's where that speed and accuracy comes from. And I think that it might not be an argument because, you know, with kind of how social media is, and you see some of the stuff that guys are doing now that they can consistently do in that tactical world, it's remarkable, you know, and, and the guys that are doing it well and continue to develop, to develop that skill and and build on that their foundations they understand that it's practical in nature right they're stripping away all of the the all the layers of tactical problem solving and and, and this and that and they understand that if i'm going to build this hard skill and then be able to insert that hard skill into a tactics techniques and procedural type environment it has to just run in the background right oh. if i'm if Go ahead. Yeah, if I'm if I'm having to to process and focus on you know movement and and a tactics piece, I don't need to be worried about making a you know ten yard shot on the move. Yeah, would you explain what you mean by hard skill? Because that might not be apparent to some people. So I think the hard skills are the shooting part of it. You know, the mechanics of shooting, the fundamentals, and the foundation that you build in shooting. You know. Drawing a drawing a pistol, mounting a rifle, you know, visually being to be extremely fast and precise visually to get to the right aiming scheme and the right level of confirmation that you need to put rounds where you want them to go. Yeah, so it's like you you mean like measured in a hard and fast way. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you you talk about we're we're fighting for hundreds, you know, tens and hundreds of seconds. Yeah, and, and the practical the practical world's been doing that forever, right? You you mm -hmm. can be, you know, there's you can be one one hundredth of a hit factor percentage away from GM versus M class. 
you know, and, and then <laughs> consistently be. Yeah. What? Well, I'm just <laughs> laughing. I'm just kind of like, there's a lot of guys listening that are like, like gritting, grating their teeth together because they're just like, they're so close to moving up and they're just like, Argh. yeah. So they know. And you, so you, and they understand that. And they understand, you know, with, you know, with hit factor scoring and stage times and accuracy, that they understand that, hey, on that, you know, when movement's going to be valued versus shooting accurate, you know, kind of speed versus accuracy and balancing that based off of whatever, um, you know, stage or, you know, kind of course that they're shooting. Yeah. And uh, forgive me, I should have, it's worth noting uh, when I was introducing you, Matt is also a GM. So Matt has real world experience uh, in a career, but he's also is a, you know, USPSA guy. He's the highest classification you can earn in, you know, USPSA. So that's, he's very, very relevant, I suppose you'd say. To well, both it took sides. him eight matches, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, eight matches. Oh, boy. Yeah. What an idiot, huh? <laughs> oh. That's actually remarkably quick. Yeah, for people not familiar. Some it people is. could shoot 800 matches and not make it, or 80 yeah. matches. Right. But, but contextually, like, people have to understand that I shot and trained in a very practical way for years and years. I didn't find USPSA and then start developing practical shooting skills. Practical shooting was the way that I was training at the units that I worked with. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I like, I like when we were talking previously, I liked how you explained the carryover in a way that I, I guess it just hadn't, I hadn't quite thought of it that way, but where you're talking about, you know, having the gun up early, but you do in USPSA, you'd have the gun up early. So when you see the target, you, can shoot the target more quickly. You wouldn't want the, the gun down. And I see a target on a stage and I bring the gun up to eye level and shoot it. So that would, that makes sense where you're saying that would carry over to a real world situation or having the correct level of confirmation where you see the right amount of sights, knowing when you can break the shot and when you can hit the target. And then practical shooting, obviously we don't always stop where you're perfectly stable and you have this perfect clear sight picture. If you can roll through and shoot sooner, obviously you want to do that. And then it makes sense where if you're, you know, in a, in a gunfight or whatever, a, you know, a critical dy dynamic incident, I suppose, is the verbiage. Uh, <laughs> if, if you could be shooting earlier, if you have your sights up early and you see a target that you need to shoot, whatever that target is, and you're shooting sooner because you have prior training and experience like that, like, duh, of course that makes sense. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that's, you know, and that carries over, you know directly into the tactical it's something that practical shooters have figured out right and you know and i know you know probably ben you could talk to this a lot when you're in a you know higher level match a national level match like you're you usually towards the end of it right you are pretty have a pretty good understanding of where you're at in that match and what you need to do to win that match yeah absolutely it means you're tracking the scores and it becomes very strategic where it's like um, and that's where you'll start making decisions about aiming schemes uh, where it's not about, hey, I need the best score possible on this stage. It's like, no, I'm sitting on a 40 point lead. I've got three stages left. Like, I don't need to if I just adopt like uh, a different level of confirmation that's a little bit higher uh, for some high risk targets. Like I can afford to bleed off some points and bleed off some of my lead in order to lock down the win. I mean, yeah, and that, and I view that as, hey, man, do your job. Don't be a dumbass. Do your job. Yeah, and that's, that's something that, you know, from the practical side, the way that you have to train to be 
to have that mentality on the competitive side is exactly how you have to train. You don't you don't get to that level by just shooting one way in your training session. You have a good understanding of of what you can physically possibly do and how hard you can push and and where the wheels are going to fall off and then you have a good idea of where your absolute control is right and if you look at that spectrum as you're training in a practice the goal is to just keep moving that spectrum up and up kind of an angular performance you know what is actually hey this up here is physically we can't move faster than that and that's what i think everyone's chasing to and then you start closing that gap between that good and what's possible when you get to that, hey, this is as fast as I can do everything, you just start narrowing that gap. And then that's why I like the practical shooting part of it, because you go to a match, it's demonstrable performance, it's on demand, you have one run, everyone's watching it, and someone else is going to rack and stack it. And what you did is what you did. Right. And that that carries over to, that's a great, you know, methodology of training to carry over into, you know, for me, it was for special operations and the higher levels because it's very performance based and it's it makes you better at your job by making those hard skills more ingrained and that foundation much more solid. So, Matt, would you say just by measuring stuff, you see guys, especially like when you were uh, doing the like a more of a leadership, like a team leader type thing, kind of driving the training, just when you start measuring things, you see guys get better. Just naturally, right? Type A personalities. Hey, let's yeah. check our reloads. And then you just see it like the times just start coming down. It's almost like you don't even have to do anything. You just tell them, hey, hey, bro, your reload was 1.6. And, you know, this other guy's, you know, 1.2. So, you know, I'm not saying yeah. that you're slow, but whatever. You know, the one thing I've seen at, you know, at the units I worked at, that guys actually love to be racked and stacked. Right. If you have five guys out on a range, a team training on a range, they're not concerned about. They're all concerned about being number one. No one's really concerned about being last because we all understand that if you took the gap between first and last one, that that window is so tiny and where that window sits in the overall performance against everyone that shoots guns is way above them. Right. You understand five guys shoot a drill. There's going to be a guy. It's very rare that you're going to have the exact same, you know, hit factor scoring or, or time or what, however, your whatever scoring system you use. It's rare that they're all going to be the same. Right. And this became like really, really obvious, you know, to us when we were, you know, started really measuring performance. Right. And the easy thing that we had, we had a lot of, of, um, drills from other instructors right and we were doing this this one to five drill and we were really drilling down on it on paper targets and looking at the times and looking at the hit factor right and the big breakthrough was like we're pushing it at a at a pace with you know all duty equipment trying to break three seconds that's where we were at at that time and and when we did it you know one guy shot 297 and the other guy shot 301 and there's no real significant amount of time there, you know, we're fighting over three. It's very significant who's buying the beer and who's not, though. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where it is, the competitive side, right? And the big, the funny joke was like, yeah, you see your time, it was good, I get it, it's 300 seconds, but yours starts with a three. 
and mine starts with a two. So I'll take a Coors Light. <laughs> yeah, but, but just but that think, competitive spirit, it just makes everybody better. Yeah, and I think, and I think, you know, for most tactical guys, if they get into matches, it drives your your performance, right? And and for me, if you're in a if you're in a job where you where you carry a gun and being as absolutely as good as you can be with that gun is not important to you, you're probably in the wrong job. I agree. Um, another thing, I mean, like, uh, it just makes me laugh every time I see it. So Ben was at my house this weekend. We're hanging out, and uh, this video comes up on Instagram, and it's like these these this goofy guy doing this dance. It's like, what is going on? I'm like, where does Matt find these videos? And you're talking about, like, range theatrics, and I... I would agree. Like that's what I think sometimes when I see people training. Search and assess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they're like, I mean, like to put it bluntly, like they're working on like racking their gun off their boot and doing some like ninja nonsense, but they can't hit up like a 15 yard head box with no time limit. They couldn't make that shot, but they're dedicating, you know, all their energy to working on, you know, some crazy manipulation or something. Would you, I, I want you to go into your, <laughs> your uh, discussion of range theatrics, if you would, and kind of like, what are, what do people miss the boat on? <laughs> Matt's ready to go. Yes, yeah. send it. I think, I, I think it's, you know, for me, it's, um, I think it, it is a, it's a very theatrical thing, but I, I'm, I kind of call them, it's more gimmicks, right? And mm -hmm. within this industry, everybody's got some gimmicks and it's usually not shooting well. Like, let's all make that your gimmick. Let's make performance your gimmick, right? Not that you have built an entire POI of shooting a pistol while laying on your side under a barrier, right? Something that I get it, that, that probably has happened in the past, right? But it's guys are, are, are doing this or they're doing wounded shooter drills and things like that. And I get it. That is something that you need to be aware of. Right. But and remind me, I'll come back and talk about the injured shooter drill, but building entire courses around that when there is no foundation of real marksmanship at speed skills, you're, you're putting the cart before the horse, right? It doesn't make sense because if guys are, it's fun. It turns into like this, this man venture or touch the magic type training. Like guys just, I want to go train with this guy to say, I trained with that guy. Entertainment. Yeah. Entertainment. That's a, a great way to put it rather than looking at, you know, if you can't consistently, if I'm doing a vehicle course, it's kind of the easiest thing. And I can't consistently at speed engage in a piece of AC steel at 12 yards with any type of, you know, um, with no stress or anything like that. And now I put these targets at, you know, kind of the close ones at seven or 10 and then out to 25 yard. And I, I layer all of this tactical stuff above it. What, I, what I've seen in the, the vehicle training that I've done, uh, you know, I was fortunate to go to one of our department's vehicle course. It's just guys squirting bullets into the target. Because you go and we were shooting it all on paper targets, and there's very little hits even on the target. Like you've got 12 guys. We've all shot this one exercise. It takes about 50 rounds, right? And we're shooting three, four rounds at a target. And you go up, and this target's only got 10 rounds that hit you know, what would be the similar to the A zone. It's like, where did the rest of those bullets go? And you start seeing where in the law enforcement or where this 13% hit ratio comes from. 
you know, or whatever that metric is. And it, and to me, like from the world that I come from, that is completely unacceptable. Every time you pull that trigger, like you're accountable for that round. It has to go where you want it to go, you know. And I think, especially for from the law enforcement side or any like gun profession, that's very important to have that skill, to have that ingrained in your mind. I don't give a shit if you can shoot with a fucking tennis ball in your hand, simulating that you got shot in your hand. It just doesn't, that's not a thing, right? It's, and, and then typically guys that do that, they get so infatuated by that and all the yelling and the, the big, like, you know, what'd you call it? Entertainment part of it <laughs> that you're really <laughs> taken away from what actual training is, right? So man, you train I, hard. I, I don't mean to, I, I have a theory about this, this mentality or why, why this happens. And I want to kind of run it by you. So I think like you've probably seen national statistics, like police, police officer, officer involved shootings are like the hit rate. Yeah. You're like 13%, maybe it's 20%. Um, big departments might have, they have numbers that are like, let me put it this way. They're typically not anywhere near a hundred percent about so like rounds yeah. fired, hitting stuff. So like the trainers who may like, they, you typically don't understand shooting to the level that a guy like you would, the trainers look at that like, ah, shit, we need to train people to be accurate. So they may, they slow everything down. They make the targets close and they just want to yeah. like get that hit percentage up instead of just like, like a realistic point of view would be like, Hey, you're going to be shooting in and around vehicles and moving and it's going to be fast. So let's set up that sort of like those circumstances and then measure your accuracy. And if we go from, from, you know, 30% hits to 60% hits, that's a big win, but guys don't want to accept that. They, they have, they just want to, you know what I mean? They don't want to make the training hard and make it real, right. realistic. Right, right. They and and they want, and I'll go one one step back from that. It's like they're as to what how they're teaching fundamentals is wrong, right? So we're teaching a a very bullseye esque way to pull the trigger, which is not applicable to any of the situations where like for a law enforcement guy specifically, how he's going to pull the trigger. So why don't we teach them how to pull the trigger at speed without moving the sights? And why don't we teach grip and that fundamental that way and then put a little more effort into that or just put the same amount of effort as you do in the other thing. And then your outcome, you know, is going to be much easier to, to, to advance guys, right? So I'm not going to teach you one way to pull the trigger and hold the gun while we're doing bullseye marksmanship, you know, at three yards or whatever, they start relatively close. And then as you develop and get better, now you're into a SWAT type environment or just going to more advanced training as a patrol officer. I'm teaching you what you would say is a revolutionary way to pull the trigger. And it's not because every guy that has got his gun out in an engagement before you pulled the trigger the same way. Right, complete full trigger pulls as fast as they can. If you're used to doing that in training and you're used to controlling the gun in dry fire and live fire that way, in my mind, you're going to be a lot more successful with stress and everything. And that just is the skill you have. That's what runs in the background. And that's how you engage target. To me, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, when you say running in the background, do you mean like, uh, like a different way to say it, like marksmanship fundamentals being applied subconsciously? 
So they're working yeah. on whatever the other task is, but the ability to, like, the hard skills, hold the gun properly, press the trigger, that's, like, kind of already wired in, so that just runs itself. Is that fair? Yeah, so think about it from, from your level of shooting, right? And you're, you've got a big, long field course, right? You've got the vast majority of the targets are, are out at, you know, 12 to 17 yards, maybe mm -hmm. some 20-yard targets, right? And, and you're able to, in a very controlled way, shoot those, but there's a section where you run by and there's five targets that you just are all within three yards, right? If your concern is that you are you have to hit those alphas at three yards, it for most you know high level practical shooters, you're just kind of looking to the right part of the target. And then when you go score those, hey, two alpha, two alpha, two alpha, two alpha. Mm -hmm. Right? You're not sure. actively thinking. It's like training a Bills drill. You're not actively you're shooting in a very, you know, predictive way with the gun, and you're just kind of visually in control and looking to the part of the target, and the fundamentals are all in line, and that the the marksmanship part of it just kind of runs in the background is what I'm saying. Yeah. So is that like a fair assessment from your guys' experience? Yeah, that well, makes a yeah. lot of sense. Well, what like I that. say to people is you can put your attention in one spot at a time, and, you know, it's like – you can't think your way through a field course. Everything just has to, you know, fall to the background. And you're just kind of, you know, when you shoot your best stages, you're not really consciously directing what's happening. You're just, you're just kind of along for the ride, you know? It's the same way yeah. when you, you drive your car around. You don't think, like, about the technique of turning the wheel. You just kind of look where you want to go and, you know, go over there. Yeah. 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 And that's that's the best thing, you know, from the – People that do driver's training, right? You always look where you want to go. You don't ever look where you don't want to go. Because as soon as you look where you don't want to go, that's where you're going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think shooting's the same way. If you got guys that are focused, focused on that no shoot, right? More times than not, those bullets are going to go into that no shoot. Yeah. 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 That's very true. You're right. You're, for better or worse, your sights will go where you're looking. Um, so one more, the last place I kind of want to go, I think, is, I guess, for a tie-in, uh, I want to talk about your, you call it stealing time. I like that term a lot. I've heard, you know, the saying, the saying, I've never seen a stopwatch in a gunfight, that kind of stuff. What would you say to that argument? I would say you've, you know, first and foremost, you've never been in a gunfight. If people that, that argue about the speed of like close in gunfights have never been in one. I mean, and there's, there, there is enough video out there that you see it, right? And if you think of it from, from a high-level, you know, special operations world or especially the law enforcement world, right, we're typically, you know, more precise, right? And you're required to be that way for a number of reasons, you know, mm -hmm. especially on the law enforcement side. You're just not you're just not kind of doing whatever you do. You're, you're, you're gathering information, right? And you're making decisions based off that information. And from my experience and, and cops that I've trained and talked to, usually once you get into an engagement or like an officer involved shooting, you are generally behind. You're reacting to something that has already happened and you've made that determination. So what that measurement is, that's very situationally dependent, right? But let's say, it's you are a half a second behind. So now to be successful in that engagement, you have to f figure out how to steal that half a second back to get ahead. And that's what I'm talking about, stealing time. You know, um, and you, you, 
just like in the practical world, you're never stealing time by doing this faster, yeah. by pulling the trigger faster. You're stealing time by doing everything that's not shooting faster. And I would even caveat that it's by doing everything that's not the shooting faster and more consistent or more precise. Consistent if you're talking about the gun handling side and precise if you're talking about like, um, you know, transitioning and indexing. Man, uh, that's, that's pretty hard to, hard to form an argument against that. I like it a lot. Yeah, and I, for me, the, the stealing time thing is not, that was like kind of my assessment of, of what you had to do to be successful in practical shooting, right? The first time I came and trained with Ben, and I, I, was, a, I was an unclassified you know, shooter. I, had, I think I had shot maybe three matches at that point, and, and I felt like I had a good level of skill. I had never seen Ben shoot in person or anything like that or, or, or actually seen like world-class guys at matches. And the, the, we, we ended up shooting, you know, for five days and we shot pretty much all stages, right? You remember that? I do. And what I consistently, I was, no matter what we shot, no matter the length of the course or anything, I was two and a half to three and a half seconds behind him. You know, consistency, he was crushing me with that, but I think I could get to where my hits were good after running, you know, different stages the same time and, and the more the comfortable I got and the better, you know, I was getting at accepting the way that he was training me. I was getting better consistently, but I was always, you know, two and a half to three and a half seconds behind. And I guarantee you, if we would have put the guns down and, and raced from bay to bay, I probably would have beat you. Yeah. And, and then or at learning, least I wouldn't it, be three seconds ahead. I'm not getting three seconds on running for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so you start looking at, like, what's he doing? And that's what I started really watching, right? And we we were focused mostly on, you know, kind of what I would say, like, basic practical shooting skills, right? We weren't doing, like, nuanced movement stuff, you know. He'd make comments like, hey, just why are you bringing the gun back and put the gun up? And I had a lot of, like, tactical hitches in the way that I was shooting these stages. But you start to see, okay, well, I'm – what. What he's, you said one thing to me that, that, that kind of got me into thinking about this stealing time. He's like, I'm ready to shoot, you know, three-tenths of a second before you, and I am ready to leave three-tenths of a second before you. So that's six-tenths I'm getting per position. On these five positions, that's your three seconds. Figure out how to get that time back. You know, actually, interestingly, Matt uh, Hopkins does, does a great demo. I've seen him do this. Where it's like, okay, point your gun at the target and then at the tone shoot versus have the gun at low ready and then at the tone aim and shoot. You know, that demonstration, that simple, just to show people like you see how badly you are going to get crushed if you come into yeah. position with your gun down there. Do you see that? It's like, God damn. I mean, there's no better way to yeah. demonstrate it. Yeah. And you made a comment the first time we had you out for training. It was... um it was, you know, we we set up practical stage and we're shooting it, and then it rained one day, and we we went into a house to shoot practical stages inside a shootout. And what what the takeaway from that for everyone was like, we're moving through the house in like we're out on a stage, not like we would for CQB. And Ben's moving through the house like like we do for CQB. That gun comes out, and he is pulled around that house or around that stage 
by his gun, which is the same thing that we do, you know, from a tactic standpoint for CQB. You're kind of, the gun is up and ready to shoot. You're ready to shoot sooner, right? And you're ready to get to the level of confirmation that you need to make the shot that you need sooner, right? And and that is like the, the best way, moving in and out of positions, you know, moving into position, coming up and being ready to shoot sooner rather than being ready to just shoot faster. That's what I'm talking about with stealing time. And it's, and that's a, that's a practical, I, I believe that's kind of like a high level practical shooting skill that needs to become one of the most basic tactical skills that people think about. I like this so much. Uh, I'm sure some people's heads will explode listening to it, but yes, uh, that makes so much sense. I like that a lot, especially for never being exposed to that, you know, tactical side. That makes so much sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I people can their heads can explode all you want. It's it's really hard to argue with it, right? And I and I think it's they're putting too much emphasis on the tactics piece when they're training. You talk about theatrics and and this the TTP part of it, and they're not putting enough emphasis on having the right foundation and learning the shooting part and that performance at speed, that the consistency and the precision at speed to where that can just kind of run in the background while you have this multi-layered like tactical scenario that you're trying to get through. Man, that was excellent. Uh, it's funny you should mention how Matt or how Matt, how you train because Coming up after the paywall, we have an in-depth discussion with Matt about the carry over from pistol shooting to rifle. Uh, Matt shares the format he uses for training that makes, I mean, honestly, so much sense, but it, it probably never occurred to most people. So uh, that'll be coming up. We are back with Matt Franca. And Matt, I've got a conversation that I think will be interesting that, I don't know, maybe isn't common knowledge to some people. I'm going to talk about, we've had this conversation privately a bit, uh, the carryover from a pistol to a rifle. And we were, we were talking on the phone last night, you made a, a, a statement that I really liked, you said, which I agree with, uh, a good pistol shooter can shoot a rifle well, but a good rifle shooter can't always shoot a pistol well. And some people might think that's crazy, but uh, from what I've seen, I would agree with you. So, I mean, how how do the skills carry over? Walk me through it, if you would. No, I think I think where it's not. I don't. I don't necessarily think it's just pistol shooting that that carries over because there's lots of guys that are shooting, you know, Bianchi Cup or Bullseye shooting that those skills don't really translate. Like when I'm talking about you know, practical pistol skills and the kind of training, like modern practical training with a pistol and guys transitioning from, um, you know, kind of a three focal plane aiming scheme, you know, hard front sight focus to kind of target focus sighted fire that transitions over, you know, hugely with, with a rifle, right. <clears throat> Along with, you know, you look at guys that shoot practical pistol. Well, you know, a lot more recoil, uh, you know, more intensive, like foundational fundamentals with regards to controlling that gun, you know, and pressing the trigger and holding the sights on the target. So when you have guys that have a good understanding and a mastery of, of those types of foundational skills 
and now I take away that type of recoil. I put you on only one, one focus plane, kind of one aiming scheme that you use, a hard target focus. You know, a lot of the gun handling stuff is really easy for guys to, you know, get into and assimilate to that way of training. That makes sense. Uh, we have our prime test subject here, Ben. Hello. Ben, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Yeah. Ben is quite good at shooting a handgun. And Ben did some training with a rifle. What did you find, Ben? Like, how did that, was that easy to get started? Was that tough? Well, well what Matt's saying is true. It's like, uh, once you, I think really if you train with a handgun, like Matt's talking about speed, practical stuff, coming out of the holster, gripping the gun, reloading it fast. Um, if you, if you do that with a handgun, like all those skills carry to the rifle, but then, you know, not, not directly, but just you understand training, right? Like you understand how to train. And instead of training to draw, you train to like mount and index the rifle and then fire it or, and stuff like that. So you understand how to train for speed. But then the one thing that's really hard with a handgun, which is pulling the trigger straight while you're doing all that stuff, that element, like in my estimation, that element's almost completely off the table with a rifle. It almost doesn't matter. Like, because it's so much easier to pull the trigger straight on the rifle. You've got a gun that weighs, you know, I don't know, four times as much with a trigger that's typically pretty easy to manipulate. And then you have way more points of contact with it. So by taking away pretty much like even if even if you are have no experience, the rifle hits where you point it. It just you point it, aim it, pull the trigger. Boom, it hits there. Easy. Like so with that being the case, then you, it just like I think Matt and I have talked about this before where Matt, you said it's like a Ferrari. It's like, yeah, you know, like shooting a Glock, that's a Toyota Camry. You know, it gets, it's not the flyest ride in the hood, but it'll get you there, you know. Yeah. But then after that, you got a Ferrari and you have yeah. this gun that's just so much more capable and so much easier to use. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to see, too, when you, you know, the guys that I've seen that have transitioned over, specifically Ben, right? So shooting production you know, had some familiarity with red dots on pistols, but got really used to processing sights and visually seeing very, very fast from a practical game, right? And doing that with a pistol, with controlling all of those foundational skills and having a good, you know, solid mastery of, of very basic skills and just executing them at a high rate of speed. That's like the drive in the Camry. Now we put you in a race car that's inherently, you know, the rifle from the duty or tactical standpoint, that's an offensive weapon, right? And it's meant to be shot in a very aggressive offensive way. Um, and and I, I believe that. And then so training that way and pulling all of that, you know, performance over from the practical pistol side and putting that on to like even a tactical or duty side rifle, it, the transition, it wasn't that hard. You know, we, we focused on key things that I think with rifle shooting is missed, right? especially with a lot of people going to LPVOs and things like that, right? They are ignoring proper indexing at distances, you know, 100 meters and in and properly indexing that rifle. And we did one interesting, you know, drill. I gave them some, some rifle homework, right? And you spent, you spent a good three days of, of working and developing that, you know, very fast index with a part timer. Yeah. And just kind of, kind of some arbitrary 
part-times that we basically pulled that were about half uh, half the time of a good draw speed, right? And and that's with indexing the gun from a low ready with the gun pointed at the ground, you know, um, three yards in front of you. And what you saw, though, was understanding that indexing and understanding the hand speed associated with that and all of that stuff that carries over from practical shooting. You know, I, we wa- I watched him, you know, probably 20 times in a row index to a 10-inch play at 100 yards in under half of a second consistently. And that level of precision that I think now you're getting with how guys are training, you know, in practical shooting, especially kind of production division or really anything, there's a heavy emphasis on, you know, precision at speed, right? Where I think even the way that, that it used to be talking about, like driving the gun from target to target with your eyes ahead of, now they talk about, you know, kind of sliding the gun and precisely stopping the gun. And that mentality yeah. carries over with high-level practical shooters and even very good pistol shooters. That mentality carries over to the rifle, and it just makes the transition way easier and then the the precision at that speed is just it's amazing what you can actually consistently do and and then consistently get away with and even i mean even more just 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 such a different experience you're shooting whether the bullets are going 2700 feet per second so when you're shooting at a 50 yard piece of steel with the rifle i mean it it's everything feels fast it feels immediate it just it really does it, the the ferrari versus camry comparison is really the right one you know, it's yeah. everything. This like the feedback you're getting off off of everything. That's everything is just happening faster. But if you're training, if you've already trained to shoot a pistol fast, then you just feel like, holy shit! Like I can do, I can you know put a hurt on some stuff fast with this rifle. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that comes from the discipline. Uh, see what you guys think, but you know, with a handgun, you don't have as many points of contact. It's going to recoil more. So maybe you have to be more patient on the sights to see what the sights are going to do. And it seems like with the rifle, it's like if I look at a spot, I bring the dot where a crosshair, whatever, to where I'm looking, you can shoot the gun so much, like what you're saying, aggressive or faster because of the lack of recoil. And so the like the visual patience piece and the transition piece that I'd learned with the handgun, then we get the rifle. It's just it's like shooting, a, I suppose, a 22 handgun compared to a nine millimeter handgun. If I had a 22 handgun and the way that like the sights don't really move, I just shoot it really fast. And that's like when I feel like I have that AR or rifle, I feel like it's, you know, like that 22 handgun, if that's a comparison that makes sense, where like the thing doesn't really kick, it's easy to hang on to, and all I do is just just move the optic where I want it to, and I can, I can shoot really fast. Right, and I think, too, you know, some of the things we went over, you know, you talk about what, tra- what, what kind of transitions directly over. If you, if you just talk about how kind of practical shooters are now you know, how you're taught to really control the gun, right? And and I would say the that all the heavy lifting of of controlling recoil or dealing with recoil is done with your left hand. And it's the same way with a rifle, right? Um, the way that kind of teaching guys now to control the front of the gun, the hand position, you know, is exactly your hand is the same distance away from your eyes as it is with a pistol and how you're pulling that gun back into you to where you're, your right hand is or strong hand is really just the same with a pistol. It's kind of holding the gun, you know, steady. And you're not so much concerned about, you know, these three fingers moving while you're pulling the trigger, but just that you can hold it light enough to where that trigger finger can start going really, really fast. 
Yeah, that was a comparison. Think, was good. Sorry. Because I think you can get to the right, you know, right levels of confirmation, especially at practical distances with a rifle, you know, much, much faster than you can even with a dot, you know, like a carry optics gun, probably more like in that open compensated world. Yeah. And that was a, actually a comparison I was thinking of today that I was like great minds think alike, uh, where with when you're shooting a handgun, the, the, the challenge sometimes is having someone, I want you to grip a different amount with your firing hand than you are with your support hand. Like what you're saying, your firing hand just kind of holds on to the gun and presses the trigger when you're shooting a handgun. Your support hand does all the work for holding the gun there. And then when I'm shooting a carbine, like what you're saying, you know, clamp down really hard and pulling the carbine into my shoulder with my support hand and my firing hand is just going to press the trigger. It's that's, that's its job. Just hang on to it and press the trigger. That's it. Yeah. So there's yeah. so much I mean, carryover I, between the two. I think, I think other things too, you see that carryover too is the, is how a lot of, you know, good pistol shooters and practical shooters have figured out a way to, you know, all the tension in their body is kind of below the waist, you know, with regards to moving and being ready to move. But a lot of the, the tension that you see with a lot of tactical shooters shooting pistol and how their shoulders are really locked up and they somehow equate this very stiff, rigid, tense upper body with managing that recoil. Um, and when you, you transition that to a rifle, same thing with a pistol, you know, that tension is going to kill transition speed and it's going to kill performance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was interesting. I, you know, it was this stuff I hadn't thought of until I heard it from you or Ben, either one, but even having the draw with the rifle is having the rifle, the maybe the buttstock's touching your shoulder, safety on, finger off the trigger, or finger off the trigger, whatever, but just low ready and just bringing the optic up, you know, the rifle up to eye level, looking at spot and bringing the optic there is like drawing a handgun. And I was like, well, and, and think about it like this, like that's, so that's target acquisition. And then, so it's like, you, like you, you look to a target and then you kind of mount the gun and aim it at that spot. Right. So you do that. That's, it's the same, whether you're drawing uh, a pistol or mounting the rifle and then that acquisition speed, it's kind of the same thing as a target transition. Right. And that's why, of course, you practice your draw so much with your handgun so you can have that really fast target acquisition and why you see such a strong correlation between fast, like a fast draw speed is strongly correlated with being fast generally. You know what I mean? I don't know many guys that can, you know, draw the draw their pistol, aim it at something and, and hit it consistently, quickly. And they're not fast at a lot of other stuff because of it's just target acquisition and engagement. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, while we're talking about skills, what are the magic skills that everyone should know? Because obviously when you're shooting a rifle, you know, there's got to be some form of magic that makes you shoot it so fast. What, what magic is there, Matt? Or Ben, either one. There, <laughs> the magic is there is no magic. <laughs> what do you mean? That's not what I see on the internet, though. Tell me more. Yeah. The magic is that there's, you know, there's a foundation of skills that you have, right? And it's mm -hmm. the same, you know, grip, stance, and and then visually being in control of what you see, which is very important you know practically for pistol but it's it is i guess that would be the that that's a must that you have and you see it with a lot of guys you know shooting unmagnified optics that spend their time living inside of that optic 
and you can watch it with demeanor and, and watch watch their head shift down and you can actually tell from looking at them even from the side that they are visually focused inside of that either whether it's a name point and a round tube or a hollow sun or eotech type shroud and they're living staring at that that dot so they're visually picking up on especially intermediate distances you know 25 out to 75 meters they're they're not getting to an acceptable level of wobble like painting the target they can't hold that dot on the target because they're fixated on the dot so having the control the visual control to shoot 100 target focus that's it's not really magic but that is a must when you start talking about shooting a you know a practical base like performance rifle you know especially when you talk about doing this stuff for tactical reasons like military law enforcement you need to be fixated on what that target's doing i mean that's giving you all the information as to what you're going to do I like that a lot. Um, yeah, and that was kind of my experience in messing around with the carbine, not having any sort of formal training. I was just, honestly, uh, well, the class dumps from that are on training group that are worth watching. Uh, ben took a class with you and recorded that and put those in training group. I watched that somewhat, and just what I you know, saw from your videos or from Ben, I just kind of applied what I'd learned from a handgun, tried to apply that to a rifle, and uh, I, was, I was kind of shocked with the results I was getting. Right, and... Uh well, the class with Matt's more like it's more like a style of class that I that I like, where it's a lot of drills, and really specific training metrics. Uh, but even uh, if guys haven't seen it, the Frank Proctor dump, um, the stuff that he got into with the rifle there was just this being very willing to dismount the gun from like off your shoulder to work around objects. That was probably the biggest takeaway from the class. But even so, uh, that would be the sort of skill that you'd want that you'd really need, right? And again, it's the same thing. It's like how you can dismount the rifle, move around an object, and then how, what's going to drive success there is how fast you can mount it, acquire the target, and get back to shooting. You know what I mean? So I, if you haven't watched that, don't pay attention to that part of it because that was, I mean, that was a big part of that class. Uh, yeah. Ben, I got, I got to put you on the spot a little bit. So yeah. when I started training with the rifle, I'll be real with you, I was a bit shocked. That I was getting the results I was so quickly with, I mean, I mean being, a, being a novice, I suppose, with the rifle, but being okay with the handgun. Were you shocked with the results you were getting? Because, I mean, like, you're at the beginning, you were shooting quite uh, aggressively, quite fast. Well, that, I mean, that's just what I'm going to do. But I think, I think what I, what you can, I could pretty much do once. I could do anything that I needed to do with the rifle. And then training properly would just make me consistent with it. It, I mean, you know what I mean? Because like pretty much any dumb dumb can, you know, mount the rifle and 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 whack a target fast or or, or run the gun hard and be successful occasionally, but the tr training is what makes you consistent, and like able to do it consistently. And I have I have my my style for training will be hey, let me go the speed I have to go and we'll fix those problems at speed, or I'll train it better at speed. And that's uh, I'm sure that's the 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 same way you think, Matt. Yeah, it is. You know, we, we got into that, you know, when we started shooting and, and plenty of times I'd be like, hey, we're doing, you know, it's this much reaction, it's this much fit, this much transition. You're like, yeah, now you're talking my language. And the time's the time, especially when you're, you're talking about we're trying to develop real performance. We're not going to spend a lot of time in that, like, acceptable standards. Like, hey, this is, this is good. This is acceptable. And that's where I think kind of standards live. So right? that's, we're going to spend most of the time. 
I'm sorry, Matt, you so, might want to even break that down further because you have yeah. a whole spectrum of standards, right? There's acceptable. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, break so that look, down. I, I look at shooting, um, you know, in three different, three different worlds, kind of, right? You have acceptable. And to me, that's where standards go from. That's where the two-second build drill lives. That's where a two-second Blake's drill lives. And that's acceptable, right? Because I think any more now with guys that are that are putting a lot of effort into training and practically a two second build drill just isn't good. It's acceptable, right? Especially for a GM, right? If you're going out and you can't consistently crush uh, a two second bill or two second Blake, right? That's because those I, I I kind of perceive those as like GM standards. So for me, acceptable is where standards live. Any any standard, you know, and then. The two areas that I spend most of the time training in is what's good, like what's actually good from a performance level. And then we go up one above that. And we're talking about, okay, what's possible? How much can we, how fast can we see? How fast can I move this gun? Right. Cause there's obviously there's going to be physical limitations with some things. And then there's going to be visual limitations with other things, but you spend most of the time, you know, at the upper level of good and, the bottom level of what's actually possible. And that's where all of your training takes place. That's where you start to develop skills. So if you get a guy that, Hey, I can, I can physically mount this gun and put that dot on the target and pull the trigger, you know, in a half a second, then that's the time. We're not going to give you any more time than that. Now it's up to you to get to the right level of confirmation to index that fast based off that target's distance or difficulty. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about like driving the gun, I knew when me and Ben were training, you know, and transitioning that gun, we do, we started off, I think with a very easy kind of three targets, three partial targets, you know, at CQB distances, kind of seven to 12 yards. And then transitioning to a zone steel that was about 45 yards away. So it's kind of like a, you know, a Blake's and a distance change up all in one. And once we saw like, Hey, you can visually, run like a like a ferrari in the red way out there and then we're going to push that gun we still want to push it out there like a ferrari in the red but we're going to have to kind of come back down you know to 5000 rpms to get the confirmation we need to consistently hit that shot so once we established hey this is how fast i can move that gun and if we were weren't dropping all alphas you know alpha charlies or 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 hitting a no shoot the time's the time like that's that's the level of skill that you have now we have the work is getting you consistent to operate in that time. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you an example. Like my first time going on a racetrack for a track day, you know, where you uh, either take your own car or rent a car and just drive around a track. My first times around the track were fast, real fast, out of control fast. You know what I mean? I even slid off the track one time. That does but, not surprise me. But by starting off fast and like, and then like, okay, rain it in, rain it in. Like I'm going, I'm going like training that direction. Right. I'm going to start off fast. I'm going to like quite literally run off the <laughs> kind of de derail myself just by going around a corner too fast or whatever. And then I rain it in, rain it in, rain it in. And then I get it to where it's controlled as opposed to what most people kind of want to do is start slow and then ramp up the speed and i you know slowly over time just like faster 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 or even worse they think just by doing it a lot they're gonna get faster without having to like fail you know what i mean 
And that that doesn't yeah. work. That doesn't work. You have you're no. gonna have to fail. Uh, ben, to say what? What? Oh, sorry. Oh no, it's the same analogy. If all you're doing is running a seven minute mile, you're never gonna be able to run a six minute mile. You've got to push and be able to to operate at that pace. And when you talk about you know from shooting that rifle, you know, in the a practical way, but you're shooting it for duty or tactical reasons, it's you need to start operating at speeds of what you would see during engagement. And that, that's typically a lot faster than, from my experience, than how most people are training. And then they think that somehow that level of performance is just going to be there in reserves while they're reacting to a bunch of other different things. And then somehow this performance is going to eke out with the consistency they need to be successful. And, it just, and to me, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying a lot. Uh, I guess another way to explain it is you go so crazy that something breaks and then you just address the part that breaks. What was specifically like, why, Ben, why did you specifically drive off or, you know, slide off the track? It was like, oh, it was just this little aspect. The rest of it was okay. And then you can address that aspect that's causing issues. Right. Yeah, and I agree you, with what you guys are saying. You want, to, you want to avoid falling into the trap of being like just down on yourself and like, oh, I suck. It's like, no, no, specifically – what is holding you back? You know, like if you're, if you can do a, you know, 0.9 draw and you're trying to do a 0.7 um, and you're missing your, you're missing the grip as you're, as you're drawing the pistol, like, look, what's actually wrong? Like, oh, I'm consistently grabbing it too low. You know what I mean? Or I'm consistently running my hand into the beaver tail. Okay. So what am I going to do? I change my holster position. Do I, do I change what I'm doing with my hand? You know what I mean? You want to be specific about, and, and really pay attention, not just did I fail, but how did I fail? What's actually going wrong? And this would be where Kim is always saying, hey, don't criticize, analyze. Like, analyze what's happening here. And I think, too, like you said, the biggest thing when you talk about the actual shooting part of it, when you're going really fast and you're up at those higher levels, is recognizing that something did go wrong before you go down and get that confirmation on the targets. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, so we've been talking about training. Um, Matt, what does your training look like? Uh, handguns compared to rifles, is it the same type of thing? or the, Is it fundamentally different? Drills, stages, you know, kind of walk me through what training looks like. No, I think it's, they're, they're fundamentally the same. It's just, um, you know, from a dry fire standpoint, it's a lot of the same skills. It's uh, definitely, you know, I, I'll, I'll shift between whatever my focus is. Sometimes I will be, you know, uh, 90% on the pistol and 10% on the rifle, or it may be vice versa. If I'm about to go do something where I think it's going to be more rifle intensive, then I'll be really heavy on the dry fire with the rifle and the pistol. Uh, what I do on the live fire standpoint is I'll, you know, initially go kind of confirm what I need to confirm that I'm doing in dry, make sure it's it's doing, uh, it's working in live, and then I'll quickly get off of that. The training looks very similar. It's just the distances are different. So I won't spend a lot of time anymore shooting a lot of close-in rifle. Um, for me, there's just not that much more meat on the bone with that, you know. So I'm focused a lot on those intermediate distances and becoming really fast and visually precise. Yeah, it does. But I'll shoot the same types of exercises. I'll shoot go stop. You know, I've got some other uh, 
drills that I shoot, you know, that go out to 80, 100 yards and moving in and rifle pistol combinations that have gun handling, you know, gun handling on smaller targets, 10 inch targets out at 65 yards, things like that. Um, Because to me, that's where the rifle game that I'm interested in improving in, that's kind of where it lives. So the training's similar, but the distances are obviously increased. Yeah. And that would make sense if you were shooting a handgun also. Like if I had a, a carry optics gun with a red dot, maybe it would have some more difficult shots than if I had an iron sided gun or whatever. So you're you're scaling the dill the 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 drills or difficulties being scaled appropriately to the firearm you're using. Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah, yeah. And then it's also too like what I'm what am I looking to get out? of it like i think i'm the underlying theme with everything you know 50 percent of the rounds i shoot in any session are going to kind of be dedicated to marksmanship at speed and then you know and then i'm going to probably with the rifle i'm going to have a lot more movement involved not necessarily shooting on the moves but shoot um moving into and out of positions whether it's getting up and down from static positions or moving forward or laterally you know, and working on mounting and unmounting that gun and the consistency, you know, like Ben said, with regards to like target acquisition. Um, yeah. And develop, developing that consistency. I like it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, the other thing I think that was a, a big advantage that I've seen is, and even guys at my club that shoot rifle also, is that practical shooters kind of when they're, they're kind of wired for training with a handgun and they're dedicated and they kind of understand like working on skill development and doing drills and stuff. It seemed like that ability to analyze their results and pick out weaknesses. Then when they started training with the carbine, just applying that same training mentality to a carbine in the way of, you know, working on the hard skills, then what's going wrong and what do my targets look like? And it seemed like that there was like a lot of carryover for that. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I like it. What, um, what, would, what would you say the big differences are, Matt, between uh, shooting a rifle or what you really change your focal point on between shooting a rifle and shooting a pistol? So I have a couple ideas about this. I'm curious what you think. You mean, um, so I think the kind of what I'm holding myself to from a obviously from a speed and precision standpoint with a rifle is much greater than a pistol. Well, I mean like technique wise. Is oh, there any technique wise? different focal points you have? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't vary a lot of the, you know, the techniques with the rifle. Like I will, you know, I'll kind of work on indexing and mounting that gun from, from basically three different positions, you know, kind of a, a low ready position, kind of a, you know, in the hunt position, and then um, a little bit of where the gun is up, you know, kind of a, you know, guns dismounted and the barrel is, is, is pointed up like a high ready. I'm not a big fan of the high ready, but so if I understand, like there's, I, I don't think I have as much variation with what I'm doing with the rifle against what I'm doing with the pistol. Uh, for me, the big difference is the transitions. I get my legs into it with the rifle way more, like way more. Oh, Which I think I, you. I don't really do with a handgun. No, yeah. So from that, yes, those, those types of techniques, it has to be different because with a handgun, 
obviously you can just turn at their waist, but the way that you're locked in and mounted with that rifle and how in order to shoot that in a very fast way, how stable it has to become, it really limits. So the power and precision with the transition with the rifle, yeah, I believe that you're right. It all does come from below the waist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and what's interesting is like that's the biggest difference I can think of. I mean, aside yeah, from everything else, it's like it is, and it's also one of the things I think that you know, from that carbine side, you know, in that the the life I used to live in the military, the so much of that of your engagements were done laterally, with your feet moving in one direction while you're, you know, are transitioning to another direction. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much very few shots that you're going to take in a CQB environment or in a, you know, with movement involved are going to be that classic way of training where you do that kind of garbage Indian heel toe range walk and you just engage the target in front of you. And I, I understand that, that that's, that's very easy to set a lot of guys up and measure it, but it's just not the way in reality that you're ever going to shoot on the move. Typically you're, you're going to be, you know, either sprinting and, you know, accelerating and decelerating from position to position and maybe decelerating enough to make shots and then accelerating again to the next position where you're going to shoot, whether it's cover or just a more advantageous angle or something like that. So I think, you know, when I'm doing movement, that's the biggest difference. Um, you know, I'm doing a much more practical style of movement, like what you would do in stages. You know, you focus running downrange, running uprange, running laterally, and then what your feet are doing. And, and I use a lot of your movement techniques with the rifle. Yeah. And then like the big difference being, like, I did change the verbiage finally in the new training book and practical shooting training, the new one, where it's now it's instead of being short movements and long movements, the distinction is mounted and unmounted, which I think makes a lot more sense as far as the technique pieces of what you'd be doing. And I think uh, you probably keep the rifle mounted a little bit longer distance than you would for a pistol movement. But other than that, you know, it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because when you think about, we talk about the speed it takes to shoot a rifle, like moving from position to position to shoot with a rifle. When Once you unmount that rifle, that movement typically based off situations is much more aggressive than what you might see with a pistol. Yeah. I think there's, from my experience, there's a lot more urgency and movement to that and, you know, getting going much faster, closing distance much faster, and then trying to decelerate, you know, much quicker at the end while you're mounting that gun. Because I think it's, it's just going to be more difficult to mount that rifle while you're moving than it is to, you know, kind of go from a hard run and then remount the pistol. Yeah, like pre-aiming, you know, is a lot easier with the pistol, I think yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Guys, this was excellent. Um, yeah. I think quite excellent. Matt, if people want to get in contact with you, how would you want them to reach out to you? I mean, you can uh, reach out to me either through, uh, you know, social media, DM me on Instagram, or uh, my website has a, form, a contact form that I'll... Uh, get notified and I'll typically respond, you know, within a couple of days. And all what types of training is because it would be like department style training. It'd be military training. Is that correct? I won't put words in your mouth, but yeah, uh, yeah. Like the type of training you offer. Yeah. I'll, uh, you know, law enforcement and uh, 
military, primarily focusing on law enforcement right now, but I do do some, um, you know, private training with, I have a, a couple private clients and I'm going to be doing a, um, kind of my first open enrollment class, uh, carving three day carving pistol format for civilians up in, uh, Wisconsin in April. Wisconsin? No, Omaha, right? Or Wisconsin? No, at Vortex. Vortex. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it'll be at the Vortex Edge Training Center. Well, what what days are those, Matt? It is um, April April twenty ninth, thirtieth, and May first. Oh, maybe I'll maybe I can get there. We'll see. Be interesting you to see. There. Well, I might have my own course I have to teach, Matt. Oh, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. I didn't know you, you teach you teach people. I didn't know that. Occasionally, on occasion, <laughs> once in a while, once in a blue moon. Perfect. Well, Matt, thanks so much for coming on. This was excellent, and I'm uh, sure people will see a lot of a lot of actionable things to be taking home to their training as well. Oh, my you do like do you like the action? Thank you for listening to Training Group Live. Stay up to date at practicalshootingtraininggroup.com or pstg.us for short. If you have a question or a comment, head to the Training Group Live section of the forum. Remember, the best questions turn into show topics. If you aren't a member of PSTG, we hope today is the day we earn your subscription. And with that, train frequently, train hard, but most of all, train smart.